You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Koop. So we're continuing on, and we're doing a series on hostage, breaking free from different things. We talked about breaking free from bitterness. That was a big one. We talked about breaking free from worry. That hit a nerve for a lot of us. We talked about breaking free from addiction and breaking free from different things. Today's the last one in the series. We're talking about breaking free from lying. So invariably, all of us have been affected by lies. We've all told lies at some point or another, whether it be a white lie or a not white lie, whatever that is. We've all told lies at different points, and it's, it's affected us in our life one way or another. If you go to uh, the dictionary and you look up a definition of lie, you'll find that the Webster says it's an untrue statement made with an intent to deceive. Uh, my mom helped me on the definition of lies when I was a kid because I had told her something that technically wasn't a lie, but I had tricked her, I deceived her, I had given her a different impression of what was really going on. And when she found out, she gave me a lesson. She says, David, if you telling that and you give the impression of something different than what you've said, that's still considered a lie. So she gave me a lesson I've never forgotten. I remember to this day. She explained it very nice, and then she added a few other means of correction to make sure that I wouldn't forget it, and I haven't. Uh, A lie is also a false statement deliberately presented as being true. That's what I had done. It's a falsehood, something meant to deceive or give a wrong impression. Another definition is an intentional violation of the truth. Lying's evil. Just let's say it. It's wrong. It's evil. It's hurtful. It's hard to explain maybe where it comes from, but we're going to explain that this morning. The Globe and Mail had an article this past week on Saturday. The front page was this, Can Science Really Explain Evil? And, of course, they're struggling with the evil that went on in Norway, different parts of the world, and it's like, where does this come from? What insane lie did this person believe to do what he did? Where does this come from? Number of pages, the author goes on, tries to explain from a scientific position where evil comes from. And I found it difficult to read because I I couldn't follow his thought pattern. Back in my mind, I think, I know where this evil comes from. And I guess if you don't believe in God or if you don't believe in an enemy called Satan, an evil one, it's hard to explain it. But there is an evil one, and he really does come to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's One of his primary weapons is lying. It's one of his favorite tools that he uses. He used it in the garden, and he still uses it today in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were tempted. He used that tool, and he still is using it today. There was a cartoon, a penis cartoon a number of years ago, and in that cartoon, Charlie Brown says to Linus, we're supposed to write home to our parents and tell them what a great time we're having at camp. And Linus answers, even if we're not, isn't that a lie? And Charlie Brown explains, he says, well, it's sort of a white lie. And so Linus asks, do lies come in colors? Like, I don't get this. We went online, we found out what are the top lies that people would tell, the top white lies. What are the top white lies that they would tell? And uh, so uh, we thought we'd do a little survey in our services this weekend. We did one last night and earlier this morning. So we're going to do a survey. And so please bring your smartphone to church. Just leave it on vibrate. We want you to have your phone at church. So if you get them out, we're going to do a little poll. And uh, if you've been at the services this month, you know the drill. You have to dial in the number. We'll put it up on the screen here. And then there's a couple questions we're going to ask you. And you just have to respond lie one, lie two, lie three, lie four, lie five. So let's get that up on the screen. And then we will start with this. There's a number 37607. Which of these white lies have you told? Now, you only have to phone in once. If you, I mean, if you want to do more, you can. We, but which is the, maybe the, the one 
even the most often. I don't know. But the lie number one is, officer, I have no idea how fast I was going. Okay. Because you really knew how fast you were going. Number two is, I don't think I'm well enough to come into work today. I've got five sick days, and I am going to use up all my six days, even if I'm not sick. Okay. So that's lie number two. Lie number three uh, Mr. or Mrs. or mom and dad or my husband, wife, whatever, friend, they're not able to come to the phone right now because they're over there saying, no, no, I don't take the call. Tell them I'm not here. Lie for me, okay? That's lie number three. Lie number four, I'll be there in five minutes. Traffic is really bad. Traffic is not really bad. I slept in, I forgot I'm late and I'm lying to you. So, okay, yeah, there we go. Lie number five is... Thank you for the gift. I just love this gift when, wondering what in the world did get me this for. Okay, that's line number five. So, you know, the oh man, 41 already have responded. You guys are really quick texters. So, let's go ahead and text that in, and then we'll come back to it a bit, and we'll find out where we are compared to the other services. Which of these white lies have you told? There's one on there. It wasn't on the top five, but I think it should be on the top five, maybe because I'm guilty of it. I'm going to ask if you're guilty of this white lie. Have you ever downloaded an app or downloaded something and the bottom it says, I have read and agreed to this statement? (laughs) Who does that? I just click that thing and say, accept. I read one once and I figure now they're all the same, so I just hit that. So I'm pleading guilty before you congregation pastors. I have done that. I have clicked off. I read it when I didn't, and so... From going on forward now, you know what? I'm going to think about this message. I'm going to say, okay, I have to read this. <laughs> Speed read, but I will read it, okay? Okay, so there, let's uh, go ahead and text that in. We'll wait for a few more results. And while we're doing that, uh, let me talk a little bit about how lies work, what a good liar does. I'm not doing this to teach you how to lie. I'm sharing this with you so that you'll recognize when you're being lied to. Being a church in the downtown, the core of the city, often we've had con artists come to the church. And they'll kind of make their rounds. They'll come and they'll show up and they'll want different things from you. And what we have found is the more outrageous the lie they tell you, the easier it is to get pulled into it. And there's one fellow, he comes by every couple months. He'll show up and knock on the door and... and Honestly, I sometimes just want to sit down and just say, just tell me your story. Because, I mean, he, he dreams up the most bizarre stories. I mean, he has a great imagination, and he tells these amazing stories. It's, it's very entertaining just to hear the story. Of course, we can't support it because it's not true. I've been conned a number of times in the city. Maybe you've been conned as well. But if you're going to lie to somebody, here's how good liars work. We're exposing their work. One of the reasons we're having this message today is to expose the work of the enemy. The the Bible says, do not be ignorant concerning Satan's devices. And this is for sure one of his big devices. So, uh, well, let's go to our survey. We got enough in to see a trend here, and then we'll move on. What was the... Okay, you guys. Line number four. I'll be there in five minutes. Traffic is really bad. Okay. That That was a service 930 as well. That was their... Biggest one. Last night was lie number two. I don't think I'm well enough to come into work today. So anyhow, that's just to kind of alert us to what we're talking about this morning. Give us an idea of where we're at here.
How do lies work? What's, what does a good liar do? Number one, tells a person what he wants to hear. Uh, whether it be how to take pain away, how to get it the cheapest, how to get it the quickest, how to feel good about yourself, the easy way out, how to solve your problems. But one of the first things that a liar will do is try to make you feel good about what they're saying. So that's kind of the first thing. The second thing, it'll focus on the emotion rather than the facts. Because if they can lie to you and get you emotionally pulled in, you're much more likely to believe the lie. Thirdly, they'll mix in enough truth to make the lie appear realistic. Hitler said, the broad masses of a nation will, fall, will more easily fall victim to a big lie than to a small one. And of course, he blamed the loss of World War I's war and their economic and social disaster on the Jews. And that was the lie. He told this huge lie, and he said they're more likely to believe it if it, the bigger that it is. So that's one of the methods of lying, is just to make it more extreme, bigger. And then another principle of those who lie, or the way this works, is the more you practice it, the art of lying, so to speak, the better you become at it, and the easier it is to use it in different situations. Telling white lies seems innocent enough, but if you begin this practice in your life, after a while, you find yourself lying about a lot of things. And our Lord in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you're faithful in little, you can be faithful in much. The opposite is also true. If you're not faithful with a little bit, you will not be faithful with a lot as well. So that principle works. If you have an employer, employee, uh, whoever it is, a relationship, if they lie about little things, chances are they're also going to lie about the big things. And that's really a heads up. If you have somebody that lies about small things and they're working for you, just know down the road they're going to lie about big things as well. Remember, our Lord said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Set you free. You know truth, truth sets you free. Truth is for sure the antidote to lying. You know the truth, it sets you free. But let's flip it around. Let's take the inverse of that. If the truth sets you free, lying would what? Lying would enslave you. Lying would hold you hostage. And so that's where we're going this morning. We want to make sure, one, that we, we don't lie, and secondly, that we're not Believing lies because it literally enslaves us, holds us hostage. And you can think of people in your world today or in our world today that have bought into lies or told lies and it's ended up ruining their life. And that's where we'll go today. Let's go back to the source of lies. It's in your notes, John eight forty four. Jesus is talking here. And he says, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Zero percent. Zero truth. In God is 100% truth. In Satan, zero percent. No truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and he's the father of it. So when we lie, we go into his camp. And I mean, you know, that would open the door for him to be at work in our life. This whole series, we've talked about guarding our heart with all diligence. Out of it flow the issues of life. So one of the things we want to guard our heart for, from is lies. Because it really impedes the power that would come out of our life. We shared earlier that we were designed for power. God said, I will give you power. Out of your heart will flow rivers. And the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and you will receive power. One of the things that restricts power in our life is living a lie, believing a lie, Telling lies restricts our effectiveness and the power in our life. Satan started this in the Garden of Eden, like I mentioned earlier. At the very beginning in the Garden, he lied to Eve. 
Now, he mixed truth with it because he said, did not God say? If you go back and you study that passage, you find that he misquotes God. He, he twists the scriptures, but he, he used it, of course, because he mixes a little bit of truth in it, which is another way that lies work. You don't tell, you mix enough truth in it so that it sounds believable. We had a lot of gophers on the farm growing up. We had no natural predators anymore, and so gophers would just take over the fields, and they'd dig a lot of holes, and cows would break their legs and so forth. So we had to get rid of some of that gopher population. The way we did that is we, we poisoned them. We took a bucket of oats, and I remember having these paint cans, paint pail, that size of pail, and we'd have it full of oats, and we took two scoops of this poison, and we mixed it in there, and you didn't put pure poison out. You put the oats out. And that little bit of poison in there was enough to kill the gopher. And so it is with lying. You don't put pure lies. You, you mix it with truth in order to sell it. And this is what Satan did when he lied to Eve. He, he took the truth and he twisted it. And when he lied to her, his mode of operation is the same thing today. He, he uses those same means, same attack against us. And he attacked the reality of God's word. Did God really say? So he wanted Eve to doubt God's word. He wanted Eve to doubt the truthfulness of God's word. And he also wanted Eve to doubt the reality of God's goodness. Folks, it hasn't changed. That's still the way he comes at us. He wants us to doubt God's word, doubt if it's true, and doubt whether or not God is good to us. That's his mode of operation. So that's his goal. Why did he do that to Eve? Let's go back and think of the garden again. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to sever the relationship between man and God. And he still does that today. That's still his reason. Still, the, the, If you boil this thing down, what's he after? He wants to break down the relationship between God and man. And he wants to break down our relationship between husband and wife, son, daughter, and parents, friends, community, he wants to attack relationships. Trust is the glue or the mortar that holds relationships together. And if you can break down the trust, if you can break down that uh, believing in one another, then you can destroy relationships. And the number one relationship he wants to destroy is our relationship with God. And then he's after destroying relationship between one another. So if I can erode a sense of trust by telling lies, then I can break down the relationships. And so that's his approach in this. Dr. Laura tells a story. If you've ever heard Dr. Laura on the radio, she's really black and white. And she tells a story about her son that was lying to her. And she'd done everything she could to teach her son to tell the truth. And she'd given him different lessons in it and talked to him about different reasons why to tell the truth and, you know, what is the ninth commandment and so forth. So she'd, she'd done that, but he was still lying. She said, what am I going to do with my son? He's lying to me. And I, he can't grow up like this. I've got to train him to tell the truth. And so she came up with this idea. So one day she gets up and she says, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of your lies. And so for the next week... I am going to randomly lie, and you won't, I won't tell you, but I'm just going to sporadically lie to you. And he's a young boy. says, so okay, whatever, no big deal. You know, so he just goes on with his way. So the next day they're going to school, and on the way to school, she turns to her son, and she says, you know what? Today when I pick you up from school, we're going to go for French fries. And he goes, oh, great. 
And so a French fries was a treat for them. They hardly ever had French fries. So she picks him up after school. He jumps in the car. He's been thinking about French fries all day long. French fries, ketchup, salt. You know, he's just, oh, couldn't wait for the French fries. You know what kids are when they get off of school? They're just super hungry. And he was going to have French fries. So he gets in the car and he says, Mom, let's go for French fries. And uh, she just looks at him deadpan. She says, I lied. We're not going for French fries. And he loses it. He's just, wow, he's crying. It's not fair. How could you do that to me? Mom, you lied to me. And he's just like, oh, I was waiting all day for French fries. I was dreaming about French fries. I thought about all my classes. And now you're saying we can't go for French fries. That's not fair. She goes, that's right. It's not fair. Lying's not fair. She says, this went on for two days. And after two days, he came up to her and says, that's it. I get it. I no more. I will not lie. I really don't like it because it wrecks my life. And he got it because it wrecks our life. It's, it's like the, the mortar and the brick that's been taken away, the glue that's come undone, and it just destroys relationships. Again, it's the tool of our enemy. What is the antidote to her? Truth is the antidote. And Jesus said this in John 14, verse 6. It's there in your notes. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The truth. He didn't say, I am Jesus. I'm a teacher. I'm a rabbi. Let me teach you a truth or let me teach you about the truth. He makes this bold statement, folks. He says, I am the truth. I'm not, I'm not talking about a truth. I am the truth. Hebrews tells us, the book of Hebrews says, you can write this note on the side. Hebrews six eighteen says, it is impossible for God to lie. Remember, it's in, in, in our enemy, Satan, there's no truth. And in God, 100% truth. Not 99.9999. It's 100% truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the word. The word made flesh. The word come alive. The antidote for lying is truth. Jesus is the truth. When we speak his word, we dispel the lies, the darkness. So, we're held hostage to lies when, number one, we tell lies. Proverbs 19.9 says, A false witness will not go unpunished. He who speaks lies shall perish. If we lie, we end up destroying ourselves. Eventually, it catches up with you. And you can all think of a situation where you lied. You got found out. Maybe a relationship broke down. Maybe a deal went sideways because you lied about it, got fired because you lied, and, and things perished. And that's certainly one of the consequences of it. But I want to talk a bit about another consequence that's maybe even more dangerous. What we say out of our mouth is really important. And if I begin to speak half-truths, white lies, or lies out of my mouth, one, I have a hard time looking at myself in the mirror, because I know what, I haven't been honest. But later on, when I say, wait a minute, I need to change my life. I have been speaking these things out that aren't true, and I, okay, I want to change some things. I have trouble believing subconsciously that what I'm saying is true. And when I want to make a change, even when I'm speaking God's word, I remember hearing a speaker speak on this one time. He drove home a powerful point. He says, some of you want to change, but you have lied to others, lied to yourself for so long that now when you're speaking God's word, you have a hard time believing it because you haven't believed what's come out of your mouth so far because you spoke falsehood. 
You need to renew your mind and get a hold of it and start to begin to speak truth and speak about who you are in the truth, who you are in Christ, to change that within you. And then you'll start to see the effect of God's word in your life. But if you can't believe what comes out of your mouth, it's going to be very hard to believe God's word when it comes out of your mouth. And that is a place that we want to avoid. So telling lies causes us to perish. The ninth commandment, Exodus twenty sixteen: you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Why did God give us the commandments? Was God just being really mean to us? Here's the rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. And... Oh, this is so restrictive. No, he was giving that to us so we could have life, that we would be able to have an abundant life. We don't think it's mean that you go to the ski hills and they have ropes. You don't ski out of bounds. We think they like us. That's why they do that, because they don't want us going down a cliff and killing ourselves. We think it was mean if you, if you went skiing and uh, they didn't have a marker there and you went down there and you broke your leg. You say to them, why did you tell me that was a terrible place to be? And God said, this is a terrible place to be, to lie. I'm going to give you the boundaries so it will be safe for you. Now, you can maybe get away with it once or twice seeing out of bounds, but after a while, we'll be there in a gully somewhere picking you up with a helicopter and patching you up and trying to restore you because you skied out of bounds. And this was the Lord's desire for us, that we wouldn't be out of bounds having our life destroyed because we lied. Jobs destroyed. Think of marriages destroyed. Think of relationships between friends that were just eroded. Have you, have you ever had somebody, you go to meet them and they say, yeah, I'll be there at 12 and it's 12.15. Next time you go to meet them, you say, yeah, I'll, be, I'll meet for coffee at 3 and it's 3.30. After a while, you, you know, you don't even arrive at 12. You don't arrive when you, you say, I may as well just show up half hour late because they're always late. And you know what happens? Underneath the surface, you begin to distrust that person. It's coming unglued and you wouldn't want to do business with them. You wouldn't want to really engage with them because you don't trust them. It perishes. So we're held hostage to lies when we tell lies, but maybe more importantly is when we believe the lies that are told to us. Whether it comes through an individual or whether it comes through others, maybe it comes through Satan lying to us, but that can hold us hostage. And again, remember, this is his primary tool. Is to lie to us, to separate us from the relationship with our Father and the relationship with others. Here's a couple of lies that he will try to use. His lie is this. You're a hostage and you'll never get out. You're trapped. You can't be free. That is a lie. God's truth is you have the power over all the powers of darkness. That's the truth. His lie is this. Your identity comes from what you have done. God's truth is no, your identity comes from what God's done for you. Satan's lie is your identity comes from what people say about you. God's truth is, no, your identity comes from what God says about you. Satan's lie would be, your behavior tells you what to believe about yourself. God would say, no, your belief about yourself determines your behavior. I could put a lot more on there. We could spend a day just going through the different lies of God, that God helps us overcome. But let me just give you a couple others. His lie would be, God loves you based on your performance. His lie would be, God is out to stop you from having fun. His lie would be, if you come forward and tell others what happened to you or what you've done, you're going to be rejected. Don't tell others what, what you've done. His lie would be, you're born that way. You can't change. His lie would be, you'll have time to dedicate your life later to God. Just live any way you want to now. His lie would be, God and his word can't be trusted. His lie would be, there are many ways to heaven. His lie would be, you'll never find the right person to marry. 
His lie would be, you can do it your way. It's all about you. We could list more and more. One day I took out a balloon. Should have brought one to the service today. And I, I just went around and asked people, okay, how has the enemy lied to you? And they said, well, he, this is a lie he told me. Went to the other, why has he lied to you? And, and I just kept, every, with every lie, I blew up the balloon bigger and bigger and bigger until we had this big balloon. Because lies work that way. They kind of like a mirage. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but there's no truth in it. And then I took a pin, which represents God's word, quick, powerful, sharp, and I poked the balloon, pop, and there it was, dispelled. And you know, when you take God's truth and you point it at that lie, it will pop it. It'll just, gone. But it takes God's word to do that. When I was a kid, I had a long bus ride to school. It was about an hour ride to the school. On most of the road was gravel all the way. When I was younger, it was gravel roads all the way. And it's dusty, the school bus. I mean, nothing luxurious about it, right? Cold in the winter, hot in the summer, dusty. And the part I didn't like about the bus ride is because we're the first kids on the bus and the last ones to get off the bus. That means for the first half hour, my friends weren't on the bus. And I sat there. And folks, I was so bored sitting on the bus. I'd look out that window and I'd go, oh man, this is so boring. No iPhone, no Game Boy, nothing. I mean, no iPad, nothing. And I just sat there. And who wants to read your school books? I mean, you don't want to do that. You just... So I was bored. And so I, I developed a very dangerous habit. I began to daydream. In Philippians, it says, set your mind on those things which are just, pure, and true. Now, it may have been nice, but it wasn't true. And I began to let my mind daydream. A thought would come into my mind. I'd say, hey, thought, come on in. And I'd just daydream. I'd let that thought fast forward. I'd expand upon it. I was the greatest motocross racer in the world. And I just, it it was out of control. I would dream about this and thoughts would come in. I just sat there because I was so bored. And so for a half hour, I'd just sit there every day. And then my friends would get on. We'd play cards or do something. And then I started to realize something, that thoughts were coming into my mind that I really didn't want to think about, but I had been passive for so long that now I was thinking about them even though I didn't want to think about them, and a hard time not thinking about thoughts because I had let my volition develop atrophy, my will had gotten soft, it had not been working out. You got to work out your brain, you know that? You got to work it out. You got to say, no, you don't get to be in my mind, get out. Your mind is not meant to have any thought just wander in and you get to think about it. Daydreaming is dangerous to your brain. God says, no, you choose your thoughts. You choose life between your ears. I wasn't. I was daydreaming whatever came along. And then what happened was ugly thoughts started to come into my head. And I didn't want to think ugly thoughts, but I couldn't get the ugly thought out of my head. When people sometimes come for prayer and they say, man, I'm thinking of this terrible, tormenting thought and I can't get it out of my head. I know what the problem is. You have a passive mind. You have daydreamed. You haven't taken thoughts captive. You let your mind go wherever and now you have atrophy. You're going to have to work it out and build that muscle up again so you can choose your thoughts. And you know the thought? I'm even embarrassed to tell you this. But I'm going to get it out there. The thought that came at my mind was this. And I'm just a young kid. Maybe... 10, 12 years old. I don't forget the exact age. But the thought that came up my mind was I was going to be the Antichrist. And it tormented me. I couldn't get out of my head. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, out of desperation, I went to my dad. I said, Dad, I, I got a problem. I, I'm really being bothered by some thoughts. And it's bothered me at night. I, I even dreamt about it. And I, it's just really bothering me. And my dad says, well, son, what is it? And I go, mm. 
I didn't want to tell him. You know why I didn't want to tell him? Because I think he's going to reject me. He's going to, you know, I'm going to be pushed away. But my dad was a great father. He says, no, son, it's okay. Tell me. I said, well, I think I'm going to be the Antichrist. Now, my dad, he's trying not to laugh, right? I could just see him. (laughs) But to his credit, he said, son, I I just want to tell you something. That's not possible. I go, why? He says, well, let me me get the Bible. He says, get the Bible. He says, okay. And he really knew his scriptures. He said, okay, see right here? You're not qualified. See right here? You're not qualified. See right here? You're not qualified. And he just took that pen, the word of God, and he popped those lies. And I, it has not bothered me since that day. I have never thought since that I'm going to be, I know I don't qualify and I'm totally free. It was a lie sent to torment me. And the whole lie was to try to withdraw me from my friends and from my family and from God. And that's what he does. He wants to separate us. The word of God, the truth pops the lies. Yeah. How do we get free? Number one, we capture wrong thoughts. Our weapons... Our weapons, our swords, they're not carnal. They're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. That thought was a stronghold in my mind. Pulled it down, dealt with it. Secondly, we speak the truth. This is really, really important to speak the truth. (sighs) Ephesians 2.10, it's there in your notes. For we are God's what? Masterpiece. Woo! Downstairs, we have some photography today, masterpiece. Some beautiful photography downstairs. They're masterpieces. Maybe you, you could think of music, or this was Beethoven's masterpiece, or this is this artist's masterpiece, or maybe you built choppers. This is a masterpiece, or whatever you're into. This is a masterpiece. You and I are God's masterpiece. It doesn't say, and the Rocky Mountains were God's masterpiece. It doesn't say, and Pluto, or the stars, or this was God's masterpiece, or all the fish of the sea were God's masterpiece. No, he says, you and I are God's masterpiece. Now, you may get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, that is no masterpiece. I don't know what you're thinking about, God. It doesn't look like a masterpiece to me. But God looks on the inside, not the outside. We are his masterpiece. Wow. Number one, the crown of his creation, the apple of his eye, the... We are his delight. We are his masterpiece. This universe, this earth was created for us to enjoy. We're his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so that we can what? Do the good things he planned for us long ago. And again, one of the reasons we want to deal with a subject of lies is because if we don't, what's one of his biggest lies? You're never going to amount to anything. You'll never make it. You'll never be able to do it. Why? Because God's got great plans for us. And if he can get us to believe those lies, we don't end up doing what God planned for us to do. How do we overcome it? Very important, we speak the truth. Not just talking about memorizing it or reading it. Literally, it has to be spoken. The word of God is powerful. Jesus was the word. Words are spoken. They're, they're vocalized. They're spoken. And the heart and the tongue are connected. Proverbs or Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. There's a connection between the mouth and the heart before that power of salvation, which is more than just going to heaven. It means healing, preservation, deliverance, but it has to be spoken. Power is released through our tongue. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in what? The power, the power of the tongue. We gave this illustration last week or earlier in June already, about a generator, that we are a generator. 
The fuel is love. God pours love in our heart. The generator is a faith component. Put love and faith together, and you got power. We are designed to generate power. The tongue, listen carefully, the tongue is the transmission line. The tongue is how power is released. Peter says, gold and silver I don't have, but what I do have, he's speaking words. Words are coming out. There's something about the power of tongue. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. How do we release the power that's inside of us? Speaking truth. Speak lies, power is diminished. Speak truth, power is released. James says, be careful how you speak. You shouldn't have two streams coming out of your heart. You should have one stream, truth coming out of your mouth. That's the steering wheel. That's the rudder. That's where your life will end up. The power is connected to our tongue. So in order to combat lies and not pick up a lying spirit and not lie ourselves, not believe lies, the remedy is simply this. Speak God's truth about who you are. If you have an addiction... If I could be Dr. Dave for a bit and write you a prescription, I would say take this and say these verses for 40 days. They're on your bulletin there. Every morning, say it for 40 days. Go through all these who we are in Christ for 40 days. Don't stop until you've done 40 days worth. If I was writing a prescription for an antibiotic, I'd say don't stop after two days. You feel a little better. You have to take the whole prescription. If you speak this out for 40 days, you'll find something's changing. Something's changing about the lie spoken to you and even about your nature wanting to lie. Truth will begin to permeate through you and affect your world around you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org. 